Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. More of your phone calls later this hour. College Hoops, NBA, NFL, MLS coming to the great state of North Carolina. Red Hot Carolina Hurricanes back on the ice tonight. Joe Person covers the NFL and the Carolina Panthers with distinction for the outstanding website called theathletic.com and the subsite The Athletic Carolina, to which I also am a contributor. Joe will have on his plate this week Will Greer's first career NFL start. The third round pick out of West Virginia will get the Panthers. Uh, start behind center this weekend and assumedly in the regular season finale as well. Meanwhile, nationally, Drew Brees is back in the headlines, setting more records last night on Monday Night Football. And Panthers owner David Tepper is also an MLS owner, as that news came out earlier today. Joe Person, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How has David Tepper described just a division of labor for him. Uh, he's not the only guy who owns both an NFL team and now an MLS team, but um, should Panthers fans have any concerns that their favorite NFL team is not going to get the appropriate amount of attention from David Tepper? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, like you said, Arthur Blank did this in Atlanta, and it seems like Tepper's really got a kind of chip on his shoulder uh, where Atlanta and Arthur Blank are concerned at the you probably saw the tweets today from the press conference. He took a jab at uh, at Atlanta and, and said that Charlotte's going to be, uh, you know, kind of a lot more hot of a city and you know, good soccer town. And but he did so <laughs> with, with, by by also taking a, a swipe at, at Atlanta. So that that's good. That's always good for a rivalry. But he had a, you know, he had a committee on this thing for soccer. Uh, was he involved in it? Of course he was, because I mean, he was the guy stroking the $300 million check. But I do think that it was not something that he was, you know, I, I think he was more than happy to let some of his lieutenants and other folks over there uh, on Men Street and Charlotte take care of it. And uh, But he was, uh, from, from day one, he was, uh, you know, he, he saw this as a, is a, I guess, a revenue stream. I don't know. I don't know how well it's going to do here, but he did like the idea of the stadium getting used, you know, more than more than these, uh, you know, eight regular season Sundays uh, by the Panthers. Given that you're based in Charlotte, I wonder how you would describe, I mean, this is not central to your work at The Athletic, but just as a resident of Charlotte and a citizen uh, who pays attention to what's going on around you, I was living in North Carolina when our state got the NBA there in Charlotte in 1988. And it was a really big deal in part because we just had never been a professional sports state. You know, we were famous for college sports and NASCAR and other things, but, you know, we finally get our first top-level franchise with the Hornets way back in 1988. Huge deal. Obviously, the popularity of the NFL in 1995 when the Panthers played their first game and even the announcement prior to that, also a huge deal. How would you just quantify the, the buzz around this MLS announcement? Because in 1997, when the NHL came to North Carolina, yeah, it was a big deal here in Raleigh, but it was more of a niche celebration. And I wonder if the MLS is more of a niche celebration as well. Yeah, very much so. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, 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 the gist I get, you know, you know, going to the, the local Y or being out and about. And, and listen, I've, I'm friends with a lot of families whose kids play soccer. Yeah. This is a big, just as Raleigh is, it's just like a lot of places yeah. all over the country, it's a big, 
huge soccer town. I know people who send their kids from Spartanburg, South Carolina, to come down here three nights a week and play in Charlotte's soccer academy. So, yeah, is there going to be people? Uh, are there people interested? For sure. Uh, can you, you know, fill the lower bowl of Bank of America Stadium for for all their home days? Uh, maybe I don't know, but I think you hit hit it right on the head there, that it is more of a niche thing and. Uh, you know, maybe it takes off. Atlanta, I know, has done well, uh, but but I don't get the sense that like Charlotte was. Most of Charlotte kind of reacted with a kind of a shrug. Was my sense. Joe Person joining us on Twitter. He is at Joseph Person online. Great writer for the Athletic Carolina on all things Carolina Panthers and National Football League. A league-wide question for you as we contemplate Drew Brees adding to his litany of records. Now most career touchdown passes with 540, getting past Peyton Manning and Tom Brady last night on Monday Night Football. Also the single-game completion percentage record, 29 out of 30, adds up to about 97% as the Saints trounced the Colts last night. My question to you is, and I like the occasional player surveys where, depending on the year, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Drew Brees have often been described by their peers as the best QBs in the league. I've asked our audience, if you could have any current NFL QB leading your team in this year's playoffs, don't worry about two years down the road or five years or how old the guy is, you know, is Drew Brees the right answer to that question right now? Is it still Tom Brady? Is it Aaron Rodgers again? Is it Patrick Mahomes now? Are people gravitating toward Lamar Jackson? It just feels like a more fun question right now than it's been in a while. Yeah, it is. And I don't really know that there's a wrong answer. Uh, you know, it'd be, be hard to pick against a, a Brady or a Rodgers or a Brees. But yet you mentioned the young guards. And, uh, I mean, look what Lamar Jackson does every Sunday and Patrick Mahomes coming back from that injury this year. The thing about Breeze to me last night, and I'm glad you mentioned it, the completions yeah. were, were more impressive to me than, than the touchdowns. The touchdowns are going to happen with him in that offense. But, you know, to, to throw that, you know, 30 passes, I mean, and, and only have one hiccup. I mean, there, you know, there weren't any, he didn't have to, like, ever throw the ball away because the – the back was covered on a screen pass, or he got flushed out of the top pocket and just tossed it into to the to the crowd. I mean, it, he was so on point, and that offense was so on point. And, and it's really what we've seen Joe Brady take from the Saints to LSU. And it's it's just when when all cylinders are clicking on that offense, it's uh, and and it helps by the way when they're playing inside on the carpet in New Orleans. But it, it's something to watch, and I mean, it, it, that game was over from like the moment it started last week. And I was sitting there thinking, like, here you are, the Indian, Indianapolis Colts and Frank Wright, and you're preparing for uh, Drew Brees and that performance you saw. And now this week, you're preparing for Will Greer and the yeah. Panthers. And just what a difference uh, these uh, the, the the weeks are going to be, and and the film study, and right on down the line. Well done as you lead me directly into my next question. The Panthers rookie, third rounder out of West Virginia, will get his first career NFL start. It will be at those Indianapolis Colts. Do we know the answer, Joe, or do you even have a hunch? Did Will Greer do something behind the scenes that he is viewed differently in December than he was viewed in, September, in August when he struggled in preseason action? 
or is this more of just, you know, what the heck? You know, the season's over. Let's see what the kid can do these last two two games. Yeah, very much the, the, the latter. That he, you know, listen, he's been running the scout team for 17 weeks. So, or I guess maybe 15 if you count the, the two games Cam played. So, I mean, it's not like you get a chance to really show your stuff when you're kind of running half-speed plays of the opposing team's offense every week. So, yeah, this was more a case of, of Kyle Allen completely, you know, kind of we saw the good, bad, and ugly uh, from Kyle Allen over the, the course of the last two and a half months. And I think the Panthers and David Pepper know what they have in him. And I think at this point, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll put my hand up. I thought, uh, you know, even at the Green Bay game, I thought Kyle Allen looked like a guy who could compete for a starting position in this league. Now looking more and more like a, a backup for sure. And why not take this next two weeks? Yes, it's going to be a different head coach in here. It's going to be a different offense. But it still gives people like Marty Herney, who's going to stick around through this transition, and Dave Pepper, you know, two weeks to look at a guy you drafted in the third round and see if he's going to be part of the discussion next year in what is the most, I guess, you might even make the argument that the decision that's going to be made about quarterback is as important, if not more important, than the head coach, certainly hand-in-hand. And so at least you get a little bit better, uh, you know, get an eyeful of Will Greer and where he fits or doesn't fit in that conversation. Last thing for you, as we encourage folks to visit The Athletic Carolina, among other recent posts, Joe breaks down potential candidates for the Panthers' head coaching position and also potential candidates and possibilities for that assistant GM slash VP role that he was describing. Again, the website, theathletic.com, and the subsite The Athletic Carolina. As we kind of have turned the page on the Panthers' season, although there are these curiosities, including Will Greer, that kind of linger, what do you remind Panthers fans in terms of just what to expect in terms of a timetable? I mean, this is so weird. It's got to be one of the weirdest quarterback situations in the league. David Tepper sounds like he's open to the possibility of continuing a relationship with Cam Newton, but also says he doesn't know when he's even going to understand Cam's health status, right, after this surgery. You have the Kyle Allen under contractual control, maybe the career backup type guy. We'll see about Will Greer. When are we, when's your educated guess on when we're going to have answers to these quarterback dominoes and how they fall? I don't know that we're going to know before free agency because, you know, Cam's not, he's not going to be running around, you know, on their practice field in March. Uh, first of all, I mean, you, you can, but, right. but in April, you know, in April when they can come back for workout, you know, I think he's going to still be rehabbing. And so how can you really make an educated uh, decision on him if he's still, you know, his left foot is still dinged up or, you know, still less than 100%. And the other factor in here is one I kind of referenced uh, on your last question is what if Mike McCarthy or, you know, Kevin Stefanski or name whatever head coach you want yeah. to be sitting here in, in a month, what if they're like, yeah, you know, I, I appreciate what Cam's done for your franchise, but I want my own guy. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a very real possibility, as you well know. And so the draft is late is, April. The draft is late uh, April, right? Absolutely. And so I think these decisions get made 
beginning in February, you know, maybe, you know, late January, whenever the, the new staff comes in and I, you know, could they bring Cam back? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I just don't know how you count on him given the injury history. And, and frankly, you know, Cam's not going to love the idea of, of coming back as, you know, with, without an extension. So I don't know. I, I, I'm feeling more and more like he, there, I think there's a chance he comes back maybe a couple of weeks ago. I didn't think there was any chance based on some of what I was hearing and, and listening to, but I, you know, I, I, I don't think it, you said it. I, I think Tepper's keeping an open mind about it, but boy, the, the clock's going to be ticking. As you said, you, you're creeping up on free agency in the draft and it's going to be, Someone's going to have to make a call, and uh, I think David Tepper is going to be the ultimate one to make the decision. His name is Joe Person. Find his great work at theathletic.com and The Athletic Carolina on Twitter, at Joseph Person. Thanks, as always, for the visit. Happy holidays to you and yours, my friend. All right, likewise, buddy. Take care. You got it. 1-800-849-2761. We're talking NFL. Questions and comments are available for you. If you could have any current QB leading your team in this year's playoffs, which would it be and why? Leading vote-getters so far today, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. Also getting votes, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and yes, the leading candidate for MVP, Lamar Jackson. They will be six of the 12 playoff quarterbacks this year. 1-800-849-2761 as we look a couple weeks down the road there. NBA TV ratings are down. We are asking the general question. If you're watching less NBA this year compared to last, tell us why. NBA executives would love to know some of the numbers down 20 or more percent compared to a year ago at this time, as reported by the Sports Business Journal. College basketball is on our mind. Did you know Duke and State and Carolina and Wake Forest are back in action? I think the Devils at 9-1 and one are mostly where they want to be. They actually remember next get to host the same Wofford team that just went to Chapel Hill and beat Roy Williams Tar Heels. It'll be Duke hosting Wofford this Thursday at Cameron Indoor Stadium. NC State, I think, is mostly where it wants to be. The Wolfpack is 8-2, and two, and remember, one of the two losses was without two of their best players way back to start the season against Georgia Tech. So 8-1 and one when healthy, 8-2 and two overall. You want to talk about a resume builder? Do you know what's next for the Wolfpack? How about a trip to number 12 Auburn this Thursday? If the Pack can get better on defense, they're already, and I think, a fun and interesting and diverse team offensively. If the Pack can figure out things defensively, guess what? They're going to leapfrog past the hated Tar Heels in your ACC basketball power rankings because Roy Williams has his hands full with offensive woes, injury issues, confidence issues, chemistry issues. It's a crazy time in Chapel Hill. Duke and State mostly where they want to be. Wake Forest coming off one of the best wins of the six-year Danny Manning era. They took out top 25 Xavier this past weekend. They host North Carolina A&T this coming Saturday. And remember, struggling Carolina has fallen from the national top 25. And tomorrow night has to visit the number two team in the nation, Gonzaga. If you were completely healthy with a more talented roster, that would be a difficult game. 
This is one of the lesser roster Roy, rosters Roy Williams has had during his couple of decades almost in Chapel Hill. That is your national TV game tomorrow night, 9 o'clock ESPN2. The Zags hosting the Tar Heels. We'll see about the availability of point guard Cole Anthony and wing player Leaky Black. The Tar Heels were missing those two starters when they lost to Wofford at home this past weekend. You want in on college basketball, you want in on the Carolina Hurricanes, you want in on the NBA or the NFL, or the big news of the morning, Major League Soccer is coming to the great state of North Carolina. Charlotte announced as team number 30, uh, an organization that now has 24 active franchises, Major League Soccer is on its way to 30, Miami and Nashville begin play this coming season. And now Charlotte and Austin, Texas will take to the pitch for the first time in 2021. St. Louis and Sacramento are already slated to start in 2022. And there's going to be a cooling off period, whether you're Raleigh or Phoenix or Las Vegas or San Diego or Indianapolis or any of the other runners up. Uh, MLS will again at some point be in expansion mode. But they long ago said, we're getting to 30. And now that door has closed with the addition and announcement of Charlotte as team number 30 this morning. Again, David Tepper, your Panthers owner, is also going to own that soccer club. 1-800-849-2761. Guests are in the books. More phone calls on the way. You can be next by dialing 1-800-849-2761 on the David Glenn Show. Dean in Wilmington, you're up on the David Glenn Show. The NCAA book on violations is so sick Superman has trouble carrying. This is true. You know? However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours. Okay? <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We have some breaking news in the college basketball world to follow the breaking news in our professional sports culture here across the Carolinas. You all know Major League Soccer is coming to North Carolina in the form of a still-to-be-nicknamed Charlotte franchise, David Tepper, adding a new MLS franchise to his plate as the owner of the Carolina Panthers in the NFL. More on that with more of your phone calls. But how about this for breaking news in what I call the center of the college basketball universe, given our state and our region's incredibly strong national championship caliber culture in that particular sport, times are a-changing in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Cole Anthony, by far the greatest talent on the UNC basketball team, is going to be out for four to six weeks, according to a release that just came out from the university. Cole Anthony, freshman point guard who may be a collegiate All-American and assuming good health would be a one-and-done NBA lottery pick after only a single season in Chapel Hill. The Tar Heels, remember, already struggling. Six and four as they head to Gonzaga for a game tomorrow night. They face UCLA and Las Vegas after that this coming Saturday. Cole Anthony will be out four to six weeks after an arthroscopic procedure to treat a partially torn meniscus in his right knee. That announcement, again, just came out from the University of North Carolina. There's a quick quote from the UNC head coach, Roy Williams. Obviously, not having a player of Cole's caliber will be a tremendous challenge to our young team, but we have to play. No one player is going to replace the production Cole Anthony gives us, so it's up to everyone who puts on a North Carolina jersey to raise his game and help our team play better. 
Folks, to put this in perspective, here's a bottom line among many, and I invite your feedback on the NFL, Drew Brees, Will Greer, and other headlines, Major League Soccer coming to North Carolina. Your questions and comments are welcome. The NBA TV ratings being down as former Duke star Marvin Bagley and the Sacramento Kings visit the Charlotte Hornets tonight. Hornets better than expected here in, back, in our backyard at 12-17, and 17, but likely to miss the playoffs for the fourth consecutive season. A quick bottom line for UNC basketball, given this Cole Anthony news, after one tidbit. Darren, do you know what the new, still-to-be-nicknamed, Major League Soccer franchise in Charlotte and the actually inexistence Charlotte Hornets of the NBA have in common? I mean, other than their, their home city, I'm not sure. Neither has a playoff victory since 2002. <laughs> And in the Hornets' case, I, I mean a playoff series victory. That's a long time now. Two people ask, why don't people call and talk more about the Hornets on our statewide show? Well, how about that? They don't have a playoff series win since 2002. The soccer team doesn't exist yet. That was the punchline. They already have that in common. <laughs> 17 years, Darren, we have interns that were not alive the last time the MLS, the last time the Charlotte Hornets had a playoff series victory. But I digress. The bottom line for the Carolina Tar Heels will not be a 17-year stretch of misery, as is the case for the Charlotte Hornets. But look at it this way. Roy Williams is a Hall of Fame coach who was a distinctive assistant coach under Dean Smith before in 1988 getting his first chance to be a head coach from the Kansas Jayhawks of the old Big 8, now the Big 12, obviously. Do you know how many times Roy Williams has been eligible? I think because he inherited the probation and scandal-ridden Jayhawks, he was not eligible his first year. So I wouldn't call that a miss, right? If you take a job at a school that's on probation and you don't make the NCAA tournament your first year, he was 19 and 12 his first year at Kansas. At a school like that, in a league like that, that's probably going to get you into the big dance, right? So he missed the NCAA tournament his first year as a head coach, but let's put that in air quotes, missed the NCAA tournament, because it wasn't his fault. He inherited probation with the Jayhawks. Do you know how many times Roy Williams has missed the NCAA tournament in all the years since then, from 1989 to here in 2019? The answer is one time. In his seventh year at the University of North Carolina, remember they had won the national title in 2009. That was actually already Roy Williams' second national championship. He won it all his second year as the head coach of the Tar Heels. Not only cleaned up Matt Doherty's mess and the mutinous ship that was Tar Heel basketball as the Matt Doherty experiment ended after only three seasons, by his second year at his alma mater, UNC, he led the Tar Heels to the national title. And then four years later, with a whole different cast of characters, he leads the Tar Heels to another national championship. After the second, and remember, a whole lot of dudes left that national championship team in 2009, leaving the cupboard bare for what was Roy Williams' seventh season as the head coach of the Tar Heels. Seven was not a lucky number for Roy in that context. The Tar Heels fell to 5-11 and 11 in conference play, and the only reason they finished with a winning record, 20-17. and 17. That is 
the ugliest record of Roy Williams' head coaching career, and it ain't close. 20-17, and 17, he only got to that because, if you remember, after missing the NCAA tournament, which rarely happens at UNC under any coach and has only happened once under Roy Williams in his Hall of Fame career when his team was eligible, they only got to 20-17 and because they made a run to the NIT championship game. So even in a horrible year, the Hall of Fame coach squeezes every last drop out of a team that falls one game short of cutting down a different set of nets, right? Only the NIT, but whatever, you get the point. That's the only example. And I'm telling you, folks, unless you're in that mindset where some Carolina fans got mad at me because I said, other than three players, this does not look like a UNC basketball roster. It just doesn't. That's not an insult. That is not trying to be mean. Part of my job is to reflect reality. What is my favorite nickname for a newspaper ever? It's the Greenville Reflector. Why? Because that's what good journalists, and yes, I know sports radio largely lacks any concept of journalism, but that's my background, so we do it a little bit differently here. You always want to be fair. You always have to be accurate. And reflecting reality after superstar freshman point guard Cole Anthony, clearly a mega special talent, after future NBA big guy Armando Baycott, who's not quite there yet. If he had a good game against Wofford, the Tar Heels would have beaten Wofford. They needed Armando to deliver more against Wofford, and he just flat out couldn't do it, right? Ugly shooting performance from the freshman big man, but he's only a freshman. No need to beat the guy up. He is a special talent, but like Cole Anthony, he's only a freshman. I also put off to the side Garrison Brooks. I really admire his intensity, his high basketball IQ, and points, rebounds, block shots, setting screens. He's a quality player. He's a, not probably not an NBA guy, but a quality college basketball player. After those three guys, I said late this summer and early this season, the Tar Heels have a roster that would look as good a fit in the Colonial Athletic Association or the Southern Conference as it is in the Atlantic Coast Conference. In fact, after the top three, it really looks like a CAA uh, roster or a Southern Conference roster. All due respect, I'm not saying the guys aren't trying hard. I'm not saying they don't deserve respect for earning a scholarship at the University of North Carolina. All of those caveats do not disprove the reality that Roy Williams doesn't have nearly as many horses as Roy Williams normally has. His national championship teams, folks, have had six or seven prep All-Americans. You know, if you could evaluate it by the recruiting end, prep All-Americans, or evaluate it by how many future NBA guys he had, either measuring stick. His, his national title teams in 2005, 2009, and 2017 more recently – all had loads of prep All-Americans and loads of future NBA guys. If six of your top, you know, how many guys do you really use at most schools? Ten-man rotation max. Some schools only use seven or eight. Let's say you use ten. The majority of your ten-man rotation in Roy Williams' best years, the majority, six out of ten, were future NBA players and or prep All-Americans, you know, McDonald's and otherwise coming out of high school. That's talent, folks. And this year, those are just not as plentiful. Now that Cole Anthony is out for four to six weeks, everything is off the table. Because I just said, other than three guys, it looks like a colonial roster. Well, now it's other than two guys, it looks like a colonial roster. And the one who's missing 
is the most talented guy on the roster by a lot. And a high NBA lottery pick this coming season, uh, this coming draft, assuming good health and rebounding from this knee problem and this knee surgery. We all had to guess what the rest of that roster was going to look like. I think a lot of folks voted the Tar Heels. You were crazy to vote the Tar Heels above either Duke or Louisville. You just don't know what you're talking about. You, you, you're, as a fan, maybe you're just a fanatic and you're optimistic or whatever. Putting fans off to the side, anybody who really follows this stuff who put Carolina over Duke or Louisville should disqualify that person from having any uh, intelligent contributions to these sorts of conversations moving forward. It's just not there. It's just not there. After that, I think people just leaned on the brilliance of Roy Williams. Roy will figure it out. And they knew that Justin Pierce was a great player at William & Mary. Well, let's see. Isn't it an interesting philosophical question? If a guy's a great player at William & Mary in a lesser league, it's an interesting question. You don't always know the answer. How does that translate to an ACC player? Does that mean you're an average ACC player? Could you be a star in the ACC? Are you going to be below average? Are you going to be just a role player? There's no one-size-fits-all answer to that question. Christian Keeling averaged like 19 points and seven rebounds a game at Charleston Southern, another grad transfer for the Tar Heels. Again, philosophical question. There's no one answer. Because Christian Keeling was a star at Charleston Southern, because Justin Pierce was a star at William & Mary, does that, what does that mean? Can they be all ACC players? Now, I would have encouraged some skepticism there because it just doesn't happen very often. That leap is bigger than most people think it is. But that doesn't mean you can't be a good player, you know, a solid player at least. There are not a lot of transfers from mid-major leagues that become all ACC players. Just not a long list. Has it happened? Yes. Does it happen a lot? Not at all. Most transfers from lower leagues end up being either bit players or average players. So maybe Christian Keeling and Justin Pierce, again, seniors, part of the rotation this year, maybe they get better. But from what we've seen so far, they're below average by ACC standards players, below average by UNC standards players. So what do you have? You got a senior guard in Brandon Robinson who shot well earlier in his career when he was surrounded by NBA talent, but is not shooting well at all when he's surrounded by lesser talent. You still have Garrison Brooks, but again, he's a good college player, not a superstar. You still have to ask 6'10 freshman center Armando Baycott, who, like Cole Anthony, was a five-star prep All-American coming out of high school. You need to lean more on the two special guys that are healthy on your roster, both big guys. And you got to figure out point guard with a cast of guys that really by UNC standards are not really UNC caliber starting players. That's where do they go? You going to give me some Jeremiah Francis, some Anthony Harris? If Leaky Black gets healthy, is he going to play point guard as a six foot eight kind of Swiss Army knife type guy? Andrew Playtech is more of a shooter than a ball handler. Brandon Robinson is more of a wing player than a ball handler. Christian Keeling is more of a wing player than a ball handler. Roy Williams has problems that don't have easy solutions and might not have any solutions at all. In more than three decades as a head coach, he's only had one real miss of the NCAA tournament. Are the Tar Heels dead in the water as of December 17th in this Cole Anthony news? No, but they've got to go four to six weeks without him. That includes, remember, some up, not only... The loss at Gonzaga put that one in the books in ink 
it's over. I mean, make the trip, return home safely, but you're going to get killed by Gonzaga with a whole new look and no Cole Anthony at point guard. Forget it. But even in the longer run, yes, maybe he comes back. What would that be? Mid-January at the earliest, beginning of February, I guess, at the latest, according to this timetable. And maybe you prove to be a, a decent team in the month of February and heading into March Madness. But building a resume that even gives you a chance between now and then with that cast of characters, folks, this is not a good roster. There are not enough buttons for the Hall of Fame coach Roy Williams to push. And y'all know, I think he's one of the greatest coaches of all time. I think some of his best jobs have been done with some of his less talented teams. I could pick a couple jobs that he did that didn't get much national love because the Heels didn't win it all or didn't go to the Final Four. And I'm like, man, Roy just reminded all of us why he's one of the best in the history of that sport. He squeezed every last drop out of that relative lemon by UNC standards. That's what Roy Williams is facing here. And I would argue it's a more extreme version of that than what we've seen. One time in more than three decades, Roy Williams has missed the NCAA tournament. Again, putting aside that first year at Kansas under different circumstances. It happened 10 years ago. Could, it, could this be the redux of the disaster of 2007 where the Tar Heels, the mighty Tar Heels, played or 2010 excuse me seven years ago I mean 2010 seven years in to Roy Williams tenure with the Tar Heels uh basically one decade ago that's that's so this season will end in 2020 that one ended in 2010 that yes my math is good there a decade ago the Tar Heels were in the NIT and the only example of Roy Williams not leading his team into the big dance the Tar Heels are on the clock officially given this release by UNC this hour. That is a bleak picture as it has, heads to Gonzaga. UCLA is not great this year, but you got to remake yourself. You just lost your most talented player who has the ball in his hands most of the time. That is different than losing, you know, your wing forward, even if he's talented. Roy Williams has his hands as full as they have ever been in his Hall of Fame career. Your questions and comments are welcome on that topic and other college basketball, plus, of course, the MLS, NFL, NBA, and Carolina Hurricanes headlines of the day. It's a last call for phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. Darby in Charlotte, Darren, said that our show yesterday disappointed him. Makes me sad. I don't, I don't like disappointing good people. See if I can answer that email as we take more of your calls next on The David Glenn Show. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. a little Bruce juice flashbacks to childhood thank you Darren Vaught it is the last call for phone calls the NFL Major League Soccer coming to North Carolina that official news came out this morning no Cole Anthony for four to six weeks for the North Carolina Tar Heels that news came out this hour 
keep this in mind as we come back to 1-800-849-2761 and your calls at that number. NBA, College Hoops, Carolina Hurricanes, also among our topics of the day. You can jump in on any of our questions of the day as well. Last call for calls, 1-800-849-2761. Keep this in mind. The Tar Heels are 6-4. and four. The Tar Heels have lost three straight games and four of their last five, some of them with the star freshman point guard Cole Anthony. Again, knee surgery required, out four to six weeks, which on the far end would be the end of the month of January. Even if it's the four weeks, you're talking mid-January, listen to what happens between now and then for the six and four Tar Heels. At the number two team in the nation, Gonzaga, Roy Williams' national title teams could have beaten this Zags team at Gonzaga. This team without Cole Anthony has roughly a 0% chance of doing the same. And it'll be interesting to see what the point spread is because the Zags are really, really good. And these Tar Heels with Cole Anthony are only okay. And without Cole Anthony are in a world of trouble. Roy Williams, again, has missed only one NCAA tournament since that first year at Kansas. It's too early to raise that flag, but listen to this. At Zags, it's a loss. You're 6-5. and five. UCLA in Las Vegas, not a great Bruins team, but not a bad Bruins team. Who knows? And how quickly can you get the other guards comfortable with more playing time, etc.? We'll see. You get Yale at the Smith Center on December 30th. Maybe you can win that one. In the first half of January... And remember, the Tar Heels opened the season by beating Notre Dame. So they were 1-0 in conference play. Since then, they got beaten pretty convincingly at Charlottesville by UVA. No embarrassment there. The Cavaliers are a top-10 team. But trounced by Ohio State at the Smith Center. Beaten by nine, I think, in the end against UVA. It just felt like more than that. And then 68-64 by Wofford, a good team but not even a great team in a mid-major league. Lose to Gonzaga, probable loss to UCLA, maybe you beat Yale. The first half of January, I would have bet that Georgia Tech in Chapel Hill, Pitt in Chapel Hill, Clemson in Chapel Hill, those are three where I would have said it's another several weeks of Cole Anthony learning what Roy Williams does want and does not want. It would be a better version of the Tar Heels because Roy Williams have, has proven an ability to find the right buttons and get his guys to improve in practice day-to-day, week-to-week, and you actually get extra practice time around the holidays, not as many games. So maybe the Tar Heels, while again, nothing like their usual talent level. Anybody who thought this would be a first-place finish or you know, a run at a Final Four, you were just deluding yourself. Three above-average-by-ACC standards players when healthy, now down to two without Cole Anthony. Georgia Tech at home without Cole Anthony – is no guaranteed win. The Yellow Jackets are not bad. Pitt at home without Cole Anthony is no longer a probable win. We'll see. And then how about January 11th? You know, we try to use the phrase, we try to avoid the words never and always on this program because most of the time it's inappropriate to use never or always. Guess what's appropriate to use? Clemson has never beaten the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill in men's basketball. That's a never. We don't have a lot of nevers that are appropriate labels in the sports world. That is one of them. And it is actually one of the bigger anomalies in all of college sports in any sport. 
Those two have been members of the ACC together for 60-plus years. The Tigers have never won in men's basketball in Chapel Hill, Smith Center or otherwise. January 11th, by a four- to six-week timetable for Cole Anthony, doesn't sound like he's back by then, right? That sounds like less than four weeks, if my math is correct. He might come back soon after that. And the Tar Heels' next game after Clemson at home on January 11th would be at Pitt on January 18th. You're going to go to Pitt and beat the Panthers without Cole Anthony if he's not back by then? You're going to go to rejuvenated Virginia Tech on January 22nd in Blacksburg and beat the Hokies without Cole Anthony? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. And I don't think so. So when he gets back matters a lot. And even if it is at a minimum of four weeks, good luck winning many of those games without a dramatically improved version of the remaining players on that roster. And circle January 11th. I'll bet you the Clemson Tigers will be circling it. Clemson at UNC in men's basketball at the Smith Center. Perhaps a never streak is in jeopardy because of today's news as well. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this. Is everything open, man? We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day (laughs) and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. Thanks to Scott Fowler and Joe Person for dropping by. Still to come this week, Dick Vitale on College Hoops. Bowl-bound coaches including Dave Clawson of Wake Forest, Will Healy of Charlotte, and the new guy Sean Clark at Appalachian State. TV picks tonight include Hornets hosting Sacramento and other NBA. The Carolina Hurricanes visiting Winnipeg and other hockey. College Hoops. And a Roger Federer documentary, 8 o'clock ESPN. Enjoy the games and more. We'll see you tomorrow on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina. love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.